listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. We are almost through uh, the book of John, or at least the parts of it that we're going to cover. Um... I think James has one more week after this, and then I think we're going to be recovering the rest of the, the scriptures that John wrote uh, for the rest of the summer. And if you sit there and think, well, why? I've had enough of John. You know, we've been in John since January. If you start reading him, he's kind of a different writer, um, and you sort of get in, get in the John zone where that's sort of what you're wired for for a minute. I think James just sort of wants to take advantage of that and go ahead and cover all the rest of the stuff in, in the scriptures that's sort of in the John zone. Um, I don't think we're going to do Revelation, but uh, I think we're going to do 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John uh, going forward, which is all good stuff. I like John a lot. Uh, I like John because of all the gospel writers, he's the one that comes off to me most like an artist or a poet. Um, he, he, he has all these beautiful sort of uh, allusions and, and illustrations and uh, images in his writing, like light and dark, and, um, all of these kind of things, word, capital W word. Um, he, he, he strikes me more like, a, more like a dude that would write songs or poetry or something like that than a you know, boring academic. Some of the folks that write scriptures definitely come off like boring academics. Um, and that's, that's, some people dig that, that's just not my thing. Um, so let's read John 16, 16 through 24. A little while and you will see me no longer. And again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. Or, and because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to, what they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you will see me, and again a little while and you will not see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. I need you. Everybody in this room needs you desperately. Not just for a good sermon, Lord. We need you to keep our hearts beating. Our, 
you, you keep our hearts beating. You keep air in our lungs. Um, you keep us being able to walk around and, and, and live. We need you so desperately. We are begging you to come and meet us right now. We are begging you to come and join us. Please, Lord, come, come into this room and fill us up with your Holy Spirit. You speak to us. If what happens next is me speaking to these people, they have come to the wrong place and, and I feel bad for them. But if you speak, then it's the best place they can possibly be. And the good news is you promise in your word that you speak through the foolishness of preaching. That you strike straight lines with crooked sticks. Well, a crooked stick is all that I am. So I'm trusting you to strike a straight line, Lord. Speak to me, speak through me, speak in spite of me, Lord. And we'll be very careful to give you all the credit and all the glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we find our disciples here at kind of a weird time. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about Jesus' ministry from the perspective of the disciples, but uh, somebody like Peter, who is a fisherman, the son of a fisherman in a little nowhere town, he kind of thought he knew what his life was going to be just like his dad's life was before him. And then one day out of nowhere, this man comes along who just changes everything and completely redefines life for Peter. All of a sudden, Peter's life and his, his sort of horizons are, are just completely changed. He can see so many possibilities that he had no idea were there. And this man, this guy named Jesus, loves him so well, so much. So what, is, what does Peter do? What do the disciples do? They hang on to this Jesus guy with all they got, right? Wouldn't you? Well, now we find them eating lunch with their, I mean, eating dinner with their friend. This man who has plucked them out of wherever they were and given their lives meaning. And now he's about to go away. He's about to be arrested and set up and killed. And he's trying to warn them about what's coming next. So as we go through this, I want to encourage you to put yourself in the spot of the disciples. Think about what it might be to be in that room as one of those guys or this man who has meant so much to you, who has given you everything in your life that's good, is telling you some bad stuff's about to happen. So what happens? Well, the first thing we get is Jesus acknowledging their struggle. Look at verse 16. A little while and you will see me no longer. And again a little while and you will see me. So some of the disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this 
what you're asking yourselves? The disciples are confused and scared. Jesus is saying they're not going to see him, then they are going to see him, and what's going on? They have no idea what's going on. And what's the first thing Jesus does? He just acknowledges their questions. He just acknowledges that they're confused and hurting. He hears them. He says, is, that what you, is this what you want to ask me? That may seem like a really small thing, but if you've ever been in a spot where you're really hurting and you're really confused, sometimes the most loving thing somebody can do for you is just listen to you. Just acknowledge how you feel about certain things. Just acknowledge that you, you, you're going through pain and that that's rough. You know, sometimes that's more powerful than the actual answer to whatever the question is. You know, being, when, when you really feel heard by somebody, when you really feel like they're listening to you, how much do you love that? How, how, how wonderful does that feel, right? So the first thing Jesus does, is he, he just hears them. These are his friends who he loves. And he, he listens to them. He says, I know that you want to ask me stuff. I know you're in a rough spot. I, I, before we move past that, I just want you to, 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 to see that that's a powerful thing. That's, that's the first thing that we see there. The second thing we see is that Jesus is honest about pain. Look at verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. But the world will be but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful. Um I don't know if y'all were knocked out as I was this week when um, Thursday afternoon I was in Selma visiting a, a, a mentor of mine. I was just about to get in the car to drive home. Uh, and my friend said, hang on a minute. And I got back in his truck and he said, he looked at his phone and he said, did you see Harry Reader died in a car accident? If y'all don't know who Harry Reader is, for the last 24, 25 years, he was the pastor at Briarwood here in town. Um, he was one of the founding fathers of that denomination. Um, just an incredible, um, incredible pastor. Um, and he ran into a dump truck. Gone. Uh, Edward was telling me this morning he happened to be worshiping at Briarwood last week and happened to hear what turned out to be Pastor Reader's last sermon. Um, that just blew me away because Harry Reader was 75, but he seemed like he was 40. Um, just full of life and full of energy. I get home, as if that's not bad enough, I get home and I find out that uh, one of my great heroes, and I know here for a lot of people in this room, a pastor named Tim Keller, who's been fighting cancer for the last three years, uh, was sent home from the hospital into hospice care. And Friday morning, he went to be with the Lord. 
Um, and to give you an idea of what, what, that, what that particular guy meant to me, I remember my first day at seminary. Uh, we had a worship service for all the incoming students. Um, and, and we've all just gotten to seminary. We're so excited to be there. We're going to be pastors. We're going to see what God does. And the president of the senior class stands up there and he says, we all want to be Tim Keller, blah, 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 blah. And he could have picked any famous pastor in the world to say, you know, but he was, he was exactly right. Because the pastor we all wanted to be was Tim Keller. Tim Keller planted the largest evangelical church in New York City. Um, he has done more for the gospel, particularly in our modern age, than anybody I can think of. Um, and within 24 hours after we lose Harry Reader, Tim Keller's one. Um, sometimes I don't even know how to, how to handle those kind of things. Um, you know, it's, it's Tim Keller's books that I'm reading when people in my life die about how to deal with death. <laughs> the guy who writes the book about how to deal with death, I don't want to have to ha deal with him dying too. <laughs> um, When I read this passage after that, I thought to myself, well, Jesus told me this was coming. You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. I know as I've struggled to learn how to live life with my parents gone, um, as I've struggled to learn how to live my life with a lot of the people that made me want to be a pastor, having moral failures to the point that they can't be in ministry anymore. Um, I really resonate with this, this idea of we're weeping and it feels like the world is rejoicing, right? John Calvin said this about this passage. The world will proclaim its triumphs over you and you will feel the deepest anguish. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes it is all I can do to keep showing up to the scriptures and showing up to church because it feels like the bad guys are winning again and again and again and again and again. And I feel like I'm grasping for hope and, and, and looking for any little victory I can find. And I'm not finding much. That is the reality of my Christian walk more times than I care to admit. But you know what? Jesus told me it was going to be that way. Jesus looked right here at his disciples and said, guess what? It's going to look like the world won and you lost. You are going to be in pain and in anguish and the world is going to be celebrating. Jesus is honest about that. He tells us that's coming. This is not a surprise. So if you're walking through a stage of life like that and you say, how can I be a Christian? 
throw that idea out the window because God said himself said it's going to feel like that sometimes. It is okay to feel that way because Jesus himself said the reality of our life is going to be like that sometimes. Thank God it does not end there. I want you to look at the illustration that he uses in verse 21. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Y'all, we're coming up on Henry's first birthday. Um, May 31st will be his first birthday. It will also be our ninth wedding anniversary, but nobody cares about that because he stole our anniversary from us. <laughs> we'll never get to celebrate the anniversary again. Um, but here's the amazing thing. Some of y'all may remember this. When Valerie was pregnant with Henry, everything went fine for a minute, and then we come in and the doctor says, hmm, that's weird, which is just what you want to hear a doctor say. What, what's weird? You have two placentas. So is that bad? Oh, I don't know. It's probably fine. We're just going to send you up to the, you know, place they send people with you know, that are high risk for horrendous birth defects, terrible, terrible things. We're going to send you to that floor and have you checked out there every two weeks for the rest of the pregnancy. No big deal. Thanks. So we start going up there and lovely doctors, all that kind of stuff, and everything seems to be fine. And then all of a sudden we see that the umbilical cord is swollen. And they're saying, oh, well, probably better get him out of there as soon as pregnancy is mature. Why? Well, you know, there's a chance of blood clots and all this sort of thing. Okay, is he going to be okay? Oh, yeah, most of the time it's fine. Most of the time? What happens not most of the time? Oh, well, I've only seen not most of the time like three times in 20 years. What happened then? Stillbirth. Thank you. Um, so you can imagine how scared we were going into that delivery. Um, there were some tearful, tearful nights, you know, wondering what 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 God was going to give or give us or not give us. Um, But here's the thing. Y'all all know Henry was born completely healthy, as far as we know. And it occurred to me sometime in the last couple of weeks as the birthday is approaching, I thought about something made me think about one of those doctor visits. And I realized that I hadn't thought about those doctor visits and that potential for all that bad stuff in months. And I barely thought about it since Henry had been born. You know why? 
because I have a beautiful, healthy baby boy. And as soon as that happened, all that other stuff just went away. Just gone. Jesus is saying that when he comes back, it's going to be like that. I know there's a lot of mothers in this room. And I know you can you 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 know better than me what it's like to 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 forget about the pain of childbirth when you see that little baby for the first time. Use that. God gave you that picture. That is that is a meant to be a picture of what it's going to be like when he comes back and he makes all things new. I don't have to ask any of you for a second if it was worth the pain. I know the answer to that question. So look what Jesus says in verse 22. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And here's the best part. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. The same... Same day I told you about on Thursday when I heard about the Pastor Reader's death. I was having lunch with my friend in Selma. Um, and we hadn't seen each other in a few years. And we both lost our dad since the last time we saw each other. And neither of us were sure whether or not our dads were Christians. And we were talking about that as we had lunch. And, and, and just being honest about how hard that is. And he said something I'm going to take with me the rest of my life. He said, if the scriptures are true, when I see Jesus again, whether that's him coming back before I die or me going to heaven when I die, when I see Jesus again, I'm not going to have those questions anymore. Does that mean he's going to answer them? I don't know. Does that mean that... um, I'm going to know any particular fact or not know any particular fact. I have no idea. But Jesus said, in that day you will ask nothing of me. And what he means by that is, why do you ask a question? You're looking for the satisfaction that comes with the answer, right? You're trying to know something, but you don't just want to know it to know it. You want to know it because knowing it satisfies something inside of you. Something's bothering you that's leading you to ask that question. You want to know something. You want to figure out something. There's a longing behind every question that we ever ask. And what Jesus is saying is, when you see me again, every longing in your heart will be so satisfied and so fulfilled that you're not going to have any questions for me. Is that where you want to live? Because that is absolutely where I want to live. That's the offer of the gospel. As hard as it can be in this life, even if you're a Christian. I've been a Christian for 22 years. And I've had just as hard times after I became a Christian as I did before, if not worse. But here's Jesus telling me that that's going to happen. 
telling me that that's how the way it is, but also telling me that the satisfaction that I'm going to feel when I see Him again is going to make the satisfaction I see that I feel when I see my beautiful little son, it's going to make that feel like nothing. That's where I want to be, y'all. If you don't know that, don't leave here until you do. All it takes is knowing our Father, our Savior. And you can ask Him today. Please do if you don't know Him. Let's pray, Lord. Um, Lord, don't let anybody leave here without knowing You. Pure and simple. Fill us up with the Holy Spirit such that we can um, taste the first fruits of the joy right now. When we see our babies, when we see our, our brides, our husbands, um, grandkids, all these things, all the blessings that you give us here, the tastes of glory. Um, use that to keep us here, keep us following you. And make us long for heaven in a productive way. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.